Hi, I'm Tommy, a native New Yorker who's lived all over the country, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Lizzie, a Texan living in New York. And this is the State State of Quo, a state-by-state guide to our crazy country. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Lizzie. Golly, it's been forever, it feels like. It has been a long time since we've recorded. We're coming to you today live from the bunker. From From Lizzie's bunker. bunker. (laughs) Uh, This house was built... In the height of the Cold War. And when they built the house, they built a bomb shelter into the basement. Nice. It's pretty amazing. That's very, very interesting. Yeah, well, the previous owners used it as a wine cellar. Um, I do not drink wine. So I've used it as a storage facility slash someday I will uh, disaster prep, maybe. Or an office or therapy. You know, it's it's got a nice, you know. (laughs) It's got a nice feeling. (laughs) So how are you? I'm good. You know, there's been a lot going on. Um, I do want to start off with the fact that I finally saw the Joker. (gasps) Yes, yes. We need to rewind a little bit back to uh, New York. And Tommy wants to talk about seeing the Joker because we talked about it in episode one. Yes. And so I want to give a little recap of from what I had read in the reviews and having now finally seen the Joker um, I can tell you viewer that (laughs) I can tell you that having been born in 1979 and living in New York City the majority of my adult life um, and seeing the transitions and uh, the the changes and the, the prosperity and the gentrification happen if you were never in New York City in the 80s and the early 90s, and you know New York now is the tourist attraction that it is, you know, then that's great because, I, you know, my hometown is my hometown and it is a wonderful place. But if you watch The Joker, the, the residents of the... the anxiety and tension and grit of what the city was like was captured in that movie. When I tell you that I had goosebumps watching The Joker, I mean, I literally had goosebumps because that's what the subways were like. That's what the city was like. That's what the city looked like, what the city felt like. And I, growing up in the Bronx, you know, where so many of that, those scenes were shot, you know, like... That's my home. That, mm. that, that is my childhood. And, you know, you might think, oh, my gosh, I feel bad for you. And, and you know, yes, I didn't have a Rockwell painting childhood. You know, Who did, up. though, really? Yeah. I, but, you know, you can go home to insanity, but you don't have, you know, you're not stepping over or navigating around insanity on every sidewalk, you know. And, you know, that's what New York City was. It was there was just a level of insanity and anger and tension and danger in the air that that movie just captured. So uh, Todd Phillips, I believe, was the director? Yes. Um, Wow. I mean, hats off to you to making me feel transported in time to my, my childhood and letting other people understand what the city was like. You know, being a kid... And sensing that level of danger, just knowing that it was that dangerous, you know, my mom was a 911 operator for the transit authority. So, you know, she worked with the police like, you know, they're, 
you know, the, the, the hills of the Bronx, just, just the, it just captured everything of, you know, I'm going to Fordham Road to go shopping and, you know, make sure I bring a switchblade, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, like my, my grandmother, my 60 something year old grandmother, like, you know, blind in one eye with, the, you know, would walk around with the 22 in her pocket, you know, like. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and that's, because I didn't go, the first time I went to New York City, I was 18. Uh, and I, that was in 2004 or 2005, I went. So, yeah, so I don't have that experience of it. And you hear about it. And so that's really cool to hear that a, a film could capture that. So, you know, Todd, if I may call you Todd, please, if you'd like to come on the show, we'll consider allowing you. Um, so thank you for that update. But are we here to talk about New York today? No. What are we here? I'm sorry. I do. So, okay. So, you know, I'm a YouTuber. I mean, I don't have a YouTube channel, but I love watching YouTube videos. And one of my favorite things, especially for movie news, is um, the website Screen Rants. Mm -hmm. So ScreenRants.com. Shout out to you guys because I love you guys. You can come on the show maybe too. Well, so I'm in love. With whom? I'm absolutely. Ryan... Ryan, who does the, the pitch meetings videos, and he makes these really funny parodies of, like, you know, the studio and the writers pitching a movie to each other. Hi. I love you. <laughs> I'm, I just... Tommy just... I'm looking at the levels. Tommy just blew out his mic saying, I love you. So, Ryan... Look, Google him. He's, the, his eyes are just... Okay. Ryan from Screen Rant. Hold on. I'm Click, 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 click. Ryan George is his full name. Oh, he is super cute. Like. <laughs> He's really cute. Ryan George. Yes. I just, I just, I'm just, I'm infatuated with him. He's just so adorable. He's so funny. He's so funny. He's so good at like, you know, barely an inconvenience. Yeah, he's adorable. So just saying, you know, don't get it. Don't get a restraining order, please. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I'm worth it, I swear. Listen, when we covered when we covered Jody Arias uh, last time, I cut some of the stuff that Tommy talked about of the think links he went in uh, ended relationships. But Ryan, you don't need to hear that part. I'm saving those audio clips for blackmail, <laughs> even though you did say them fully, expecting them to be publicly published. <laughs> Ooh, I love that alliteration, publicly published. Okay, so, right, so we're what state are we doing this week? Right now, we are today. We are doing we are doing the Great Lake state of Michigan. 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 The Great Lake region. That those winters are rough. A friend of mine went to school in Buffalo, and I remember him telling me about how like they tunnel through the snow with college to get to the classes, and like you know. 12 feet of snow from lake effects and I'm like you can keep that like yeah I went to school in Ithaca one of my friends roommates uh boyfriends went to school in Buffalo and we went up for spring break once and they had made an igloo that we'd go in and we had hot box <laughs> dead ass it was an igloo and you go in there it was so cool and then you get really stoned and it was even cooler but we might put that on the cutting room floor let's get back to Michigan <laughs> Oh, I'm not going first. I got my papers up. I'm not going first. It's Tommy. I get to lean, sit back, and relax and listen to Tommy tell him his time. I'm going to quote Lizzie here, and I'm going to paint a picture with words. (gasps) Word picture. 
So, starting out in a very cold environment, we see some men on a sailboat. Picture it. It's turn of the century. Which century? Pick one. They had a boat. They were exploring the North Pole. Uh, the say the 19th century. We'll say 19th century. 19th into 20th? Yeah, so early, like, 1900s. Maybe the late 1800s. Okay. Right around, you know. So, moving along. So... Some guys are on a boat, the boat freezes, they get stuck there. You know, it's a big, like, what the hell were you doing there? Yikes. You know, fast forward, going into the classic American story. You know, you have two options. You have a boy and his dog or a boy in his car. And you have this kid who's just really selling his paper to get his grades because... Dad's buying him a car today, as long as he has a good report card. So, uh, let me ask you this. If this boy were an actor, who would he look like? We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> so, picture, you know, this this boy's got some... He's got some charm to him, you know? He's, he's just... He's got a charm to him. And they go car shopping. He gets his car. And uh, picture the environment. It's sunny. It's beautiful. It's warm. Mm. Clearly California sun. Like, you know when you film a... You know when you're watching a TV pro, a movie, and you know it's supposed to be taking place in some one state, but they clearly filmed it on a sound lot because, like, nowhere in that state does it get sun like that, and it's like, okay, obviously you're in California. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking so about. obviously we're in California, and somehow, miraculously, this car turns into a walking-talking robot and is fighting walking-talking robots that have invaded the planet that are trying to find something... And wait, what? This is wow, I've never heard of this story from history. Oh my gosh, this is part of American history. It must be like some kind of like. So these alien invaders are here. Some of them are here to save us, the other ones are here to enslave us. And this kid gets stuck in the middle because he bought a car, you know? And honestly, it's a yeah, and it's a hoop classic American story. I mean, you know. We've read about it in kindergarten, you know? So, Johnny Appleseed, he had a car. It was the Applemobile. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, this great big battle takes place in sunny California, and all this beautiful settings and the sun and the short shorts, you know. The girlfriend's name is Michaela. Um, great name. Great. And then one of the pivotal battles takes place in Detroit, Michigan. Wait, I thought we were in sunny California. What happened? Did we transport? Well, I guess so. I mean, they're aliens from another planet. They probably have transportation, you know, great transportation systems besides their alternate modes. Fair enough. So by now you obviously know I'm talking about the Michael Bay move Transformers, the first one from 2007, um, where Sam Whitgeep, who was played by Shay LaBeouf, who, yeah... Hi, Shay LaBeouf. Yeah, except for Shia LaBeouf, like, went crazy, though. I love that he went crazy. I love his craziness. I love... I do. Tommy likes men with a little bit of a crazy flair to him, I think. I can fix him. I can fix you. (laughs) I can. (laughs) So, anyways, we're doing the state of Michigan, and Michael Bay... However you like Michael Bay, if you like him, if you hate him, Ugh. he picks Ew. wonderful sets, wonderful real places to film. 
And so he used in, he used from Detroit. He used the Grand Central Station terminal. Uh, Grand, uh, Grand Central Station. I think that's in New York City. Sorry, Michigan Central Station, which is a terminal too, apparently. Um, and, a ter- and if you don't know what a terminal is, a terminal is where things end. So, like in New York City, Grand Central Terminal, it's a station as well. But it's a, a terminal. It can be a station, but a terminal is just where the train lines end. So all From the trains. The root become, word terminus. Yes. Which is Latin for end. And shout out to The Walking Dead. Remember that? I have a, a t-shirt that says, uh, Terminus, we'd love you to stay for dinner. <laughs> That's great. I, I showed you my um, um, looking for a babysitter. Yes. Girl who <laughs> so anyways, so here's my real story. So my real story is about this wonderful building that has been abandoned for like over 20 years or something. Who And it just it looks like an amazing, amazing location to do some urban exploring. Uh, these old buildings are just like this is a these are monuments to American industri- industry uh, monuments to just to the American dream like we we came here we accomplished this yes we raped and pillaged and killed people to get here you know to make it happen but you know the engineering feats uh, these grandiose buildings the styles of them the they're just they're breathtaking, and I think that, you know, we have these cities, like like New York went through a really dark spot in the 70s and the 80s, which, you know, like the Joker kind of taps into, and Detroit's been going through that. You know, Michigan's been going through that for like the last 20-some-odd years. You know, the motor industry is, the American motor industry has suffered a lot. Uh, just, it's been a state that the crime rates have always been high. It's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of struggle. There, 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 you know, there's a clear separation of, you know, the haves and have-nots here, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that factories moved out of the area, you know, industry is closed down, so the job, there's no more jobs there, you know, and the whole broken window, you know, philosophy and theory on, on societies and neighborhoods and all that stuff, um, and I think that this is kind of, this is a, this is a big giant broken window in America, you know, like this is a blatant, you know, condemned sign on America, you know, this building just going to waste and to, and rotting the way it has. And you should, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at images uh, of Detroit Central Station right now, and it is a masterpiece of architecture. It's beautiful. And it, and you see the photos, the photos of it abandoned with like graffiti on it and, you know, crumbling amidst this, just this gorgeous, these gorgeous bones. It's so sad. It's really sad. And then you see the old-timey pictures of it from when it was first built or whenever, and it's... And it's heyday. Gorgeous. And, and it's even, still gorgeous. It, even in the height of its decay, it's this beautiful building. And so now, obviously a lot of CGI went into filming the Transformers movie and having Megatron crash through the building and, you know, all of that stuff. And think, you know, and, you know... Props to Michael Bay for going to places like this where there's no work, that there's no people here, and bringing, bringing a lot of work to the environment, to the economy, for you know to to try to help you know like, you know people don't realize like pirating is such a big deal because, you know every cent that you pay at a movie theater or when you rent a movie or that sort of thing like you know it goes to the actors not just the actors on the screen but to, the set workers the the production crew all of the people that make these things happen and 
you know, I worked in the theater industry, and I say, I'll, I used to always say this, the longer I work in theater, the more I appreciate Hollywood, which is kind of like a swipe, a snipe at, you know, at the theater industry, but I didn't work in the, the in the movie industries, and I know that it could probably just be as bad and as toxic. Oh, for and, sure. But the creative arts field is just this wonderful world, and so, you know, there's a very decisive conversation about the Michael Bay movies, and I am a diehard Transformers fan, like, I have a Transformers tattoo, I've been watching Transformers since 1984. I read. I, you I, read? Sam, I literally go read things. I watch um, MGO 316. Um, you don't grow old because you stop. You, you, don't, you don't stop playing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop playing. I love and, that. Isn't it a great quote? And so MGO 316, the freaking geek, is another one. I watch his YouTube videos at every single Transformer that comes out because he does these YouTube videos, and I want his life so bad. Mm-hmm. Because he literally has made a career out of playing with Transformers and doing comparisons and reviewing them and pointing out like spots on them. Because there's a lot of third-party Transformers. And again, I'm, I'm losing my course here. So back on track. So back on track. <laughs> so last year, uh, 11 months ago, Ford began phase the first phase of a $350 million makeover of Michigan Central Station. So now this is coming out of the Cranes Detroit Business paper. Um, and so they started the first phase of major revitalization of this building. They're going to bring this building back up and running. They're going to get back turned into back into a fully functioning office building. And thank God. Now let me ask you this. Ford's going to use it for their offices? Yes. Originally it was, I believe, one of the corporate headquarters. Wow. So, yeah, so they they were installing uh, water rubber membranes to stop with the leaking and to start working on restorations. The building is 105 years old as of last year, so it's 106 years old now. Um, and they're going to, so next the next phase is going to be replacing mechanical and electrical systems and restoring the external exterior masonry. So right now, the first phase was just getting the building up to, like, habitable, safe, and become a safe environment just so they can work in it. Mm. And... Saving the building has really been a mission for Detroit because your 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 central station is it's you symbolic. Know, it's symbolic. I mean, yes, maybe people aren't riding the rails the way they were because of cars and everything, and it's Detroit, you know, the the birthplace of the American car industry and all that stuff. But you know, like respecting these locations and one and now that society is moving back towards mass transit systems, like. It's definitely the right time. You know, you're creating all kinds of jobs, you know, to restore this building. And I just, you know, if you're if you're planning to travel to Detroit for any reason, you know, I don't know if you have a reason to just travel to Detroit or if, you, if you're looking for a reason. Like, you know, there are, I think there's still tours of the building um, or there will be tours. But even if there's not, it's going to be, it's going to be up and running again, you know? That's amazing. So in June of, the, of 2018, Ford acquired the Iconic train station for $90 million from the Morham family, and they plan to spend $740 million to transform it. The surrounding property on its 1.2 million square foot in innovation campus where Ford and its partners will work on autonomous and electric vehicle businesses. So they're turning this into their, their corporate headquarters for electric motors. And Ford is planning to reveal, or they just revealed their, um, it's a... Project's car. It's an electric, you know, completely electric Ford Mustang with like a thousand horsepower. Uh, yeah, like it's not going to go on sale or anything like that. But they're using the 2019 base model, which is one of the most beautiful. 
Oh, and so I, I had the, the pleasure of sitting next to a Camaro the other day, which, oh. by the way, Bumblebee was a Camaro. Um, he's supposed to be a Beetle, but, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so the Mustang is the... And then the, um, the Camaro is a... I adore, adore when you make... Car the car sounds. sounds. I adore it. <laughs> My husband bought a new work truck. It's a Chevy. It's a beautiful truck. The Doratec V8. So Tommy was here when to- when my husband pulls up in it and Tommy comes out and he's like, does it make this noise? <laughs> <laughs> and my husband goes, yeah, it does. It was so good. <laughs> 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 You can't see the look on his face when he does it. <laughs> All you Chevy Silverado 2500 Dortec V8 guys, send us a comment. Send us a... I'm good at my car engine. You're really good. I really... I treasure it. It delights me. I don't care what anybody else says because so far we only have about 32 listeners. We had 67 followers on Facebook now. I know. I'm pretty pumped about it because we got on iTunes. Whoa, whoa. We'll talk Whoop, more about that, that later. Yep. Talk more about so, that later. So now, and I know that I, I kept it short today just because I knew I, I rambled on a couple other subjects, but I just, you know. It's okay. The last episode I had to, I ended up editing like an hour out of the last episode so we could keep the normal episode time. So 40 minutes of yourself. No, I know that has been a point of like, t- I'm like, man, we ran so long. Yeah. Because of you. <laughs> and I'm like, nah. And then I looked and I was like, oh man, it was because of me. Listen, Jody Arias. That was a good story. It was a good that story. That was a very good story. So, you know, I think the reason, and the reason why I brought up the Joker t- on today's episode was because, you know, they're parallel. De- De- Detroit, New York City, like these are these are these are beacons of American, the American economy, American history, the American rev- industry, and you know, New York went through all of these phases. You know, Jackie O saved Grand Central with the Robin Hood Foundation and all these other organizations because, you know. There's this corporate mentality of just tear it down and build a new one. You know, concrete is cheap, you know, and you guys, you know, people were commissioned to put these in. Like, people put their blood, sweat, and tears into these buildings. Whether you were just, you know, a carpenter, you know, installing the, the wood chairs in the lobby or you were just a maintenance guy changing the light bulbs, you know, these were, you know... These are parts of American history. And, you know, I've never been to Europe, unfortunately. I haven't had the pleasure of it. But when you go to Europe, you know, from everybody who's told me this, you know, you go into a town that's a 1,000 years old, and it's the same building that's been there for 600 years. and mm-hmm. Or, you know, they rebuild an entire area that was destroyed during World War One or World War Two from bombs to look just the way it did. Because... If you don't, if you don't acknowledge your history, you you know you make the same mistakes. And if you you know, and you can gut out a wall, and run electricity through it. You know yeah. that's why they castles get. You know there's there's ways to do this. You know they these buildings can serve a purpose. And if we don't respect and maintain them, then we are throwing away the neighborhoods and we are throwing away the communities around them. And we are throwing away the people that were part of that lifeline. You know, like New York City subway is the blood pulse, is the, is the 
the life flow of the city. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. And I have had the pleasure of going to um, Europe and the British Isles. And you're walking into a history book, you're walking into a painting. And I think that the movement that you see around you see in this in this case with Ford buying the Detroit terminal and the revitalization of Grand Central Station and and maintaining that is um, really beautiful and heartening because that's a part of our culture and a part of our history and it's something to treasure and to maintain and to preserve. And Ryan, if you ever want to go out on a date, I'll take you to Grand Central. We can meet at Grand Central on the staircase. It is my, you ask my sister, my sister's upstairs watching, watching the child. She's visiting from Texas. The child? The child. And um, every time we go to the city, I'm like, this is my favorite building. And it's Grand Central. I can stare. I, I could go to New York City and not leave Grand Central Terminal and be perfectly happy just staring and looking. And it makes me want to cry thinking about it. It's amazing. Resentment. What? Ex-fiance. Oh. Planning our photos for our wedding. Engagement photos were going to be in Grand Central to start our journey. How lame am I? No, I think that's the most adorable thing I've ever heard. Right. Ryan will do that with you. I'm waiting, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your story? That's my story. It's amazing. I loved it. I, you know, I just... I like the whole idea of pointing out places where people can go, you know, because, like, I have a lot of political opinions and all that stuff, but uh, I want everybody to like me, so I'm going to keep my mouth, I'm going to keep my opinions to myself. We're going to wait till we get a few more listeners before we start losing listeners by expressing our political opinions. Exactly. <laughs> we need to have enough to lose. So, Lizzie, what's your story about today? <clears throat> well, I don't exactly want to tell you. I have quite a few sources that I cannot cite until the end because I don't want to give anything away. So we're going to go back. Let's get in our little time machine. You know, we're, it's getting a lot of use. I know. Today is especially. Okay, so let's go back in time. Travel back to 1891. Are you there? Is this the same boat? No, different boat. Are you there? I'm here. It's okay. cold. Okay, actually, we're going to go back farther. We're going to go back to 1870. You there? Is there a Starbucks? No, but you know what? You could invent it and make billions. Yes. Okay, we're in 1870. Starbucks has been invented. It's not in Seattle, but in Michigan. And I own it. So <laughs> picture a beautiful two-mast schooner. What's a two-mast schooner? Okay, I'm so glad you asked. A schooner, imagine like a pirate ship. It's a sail, it's a ship. With sails, and it usually, and it has two masts. What's a mast? A mast? Are you kidding? Oh, okay, because I was in charge of the sailing program at the camp, when I was a camp counselor, so I can tell you all about masts and tillers and rudders. So the mast is the big stick that comes out of the boat for the sails to go up, right? Yes, and there are two of them. There's a main one and then a shorter one that's in the beginning. Beautiful. And so a two-mast schooner is really fast, right? They are fast, yes. So we're in 1870, and the a, a beautiful new ship. Her name is H.C. Albrecht. She's beautiful. She Ooh. enters the world. Yeah. Do you know why ships are always referred to as with female names? Tell me. 
History lesson for me. Okay, so from me. So a vessel is a reference to anything that can hold something else. So a woman is a vessel because she carries life in her and a child. And since a ship carries people and souls in them, they are supposed to respectfully have female names because they are vessels carrying souls. I didn't know that, and that's really amazing. What is what's the word here? Naval architecture mm-hmm. has more has you know acknowledges the power of the female. That's amazing. Just thought, yeah, just a little you know, and you can Google that. Like it'll show up. Like that's the that's the etymology of the words of, of where the like of how of the of why those terms are supposed to be applied mm-hmm. and stuff. That's and then even though women weren't supposed to be on ships because they were bad luck or something. Well, like that. of course. Yeah, ruin we are everything. Bad luck. We do. <laughs> it's true. Okay. So she was a sailing ship, and um, she was strong. In 1877, the H.C. Um, H. Albrecht was uh, sold to two businessmen, a Charles Hackley and a Thomas Hume. No relation to the philosopher David Hume. Hackley and Hume were very prominent gentlemen in Michigan who ran the Hackley-Hume lumber mill, lumber mill out of Muskegon, Michigan. I know I pronounce Muskegon incorrectly and I don't care but you can email us at the status quo at gmail.com and let me know the article said that they ran this business very successfully basically until they cut all the trees down it was like they ran this successfully the business very successfully for 40 years until deforestation caused them to shut it down so, so they were loggers yes okay. oh yeah I said lumber mill but yeah oh, you're, yeah, but I wasn't specific so yes so anyways this podcast is not about this episode is not about the destruction of our environment. It's a real thing. Look it up. Hashtag science. Um, uh-oh. Political opinion, I guess. Is that a pl- – in these days. Okay. So they – so their their job basically is to transport – They you know, they, they cut the lumber down in Muskegon and they ship it – or they – yeah, they literally ship it to Chicago. So they go through like Michigan. So they got the Albrecht and they refitted her with a new deck to support the lumber and they put and added an extra mast. So it became a three mast sailing schooner um, and they hauled lumber across Lake Michigan. On May 21st, 1891, the Thomas Hume, because they renamed it, I forgot to tell you all that. They rename it from Albrecht to the Thomas Hume. Yeah, which is bad luck to begin with. Yeah. One. Two. Why are you naming it out after one of the owners? Like, really? Seriously. They could have named it the David Hume. Great philosopher. Right over my head. No. <laughs> we, this, we'll get there. Maybe. Probably not. We'll see. Okay, so they renamed it the Thomas Hume. They send her out in May, May 21st, 1891. And the Thomas Hume was never seen again. Yeah, so the owners were like, how could this boat disappear without a trace? Like, there would be... Where'd she disappear in? In Lake Michigan. Michigan. They were on the way home from Chicago. So they were on the way back to Muskegon from Chicago and disappeared. Gone. Now, how big is Lake Michigan? It's very, very, very big. It is the, um, okay, I had it looked, I had it up. It's not in my notes. It should be. Lake Michigan of the five Great Lakes, I believe it is, it's number three, or it's number two in surface area and number three in depth. 
The Great Lakes ranked by size. Lake Ontario is 7,340 square miles. Mm-hmm. Lake Erie is 9,910 square miles. Lake Michigan is 22,404 square miles. And Lake Huron is 23,007 square miles. Lake Huron is the second largest of the Great Lakes. Um, and Lake Superior is 31,700 square miles. Um, wow, that, I mean... Mm-hmm. Like, huge. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're oceans. It's huge. I mean, and that's what it talks about in all my articles is that it was like basically navigating on Lake Mission again is like navigating on the ocean. Yeah. It's not like my pond in my front yard, you yeah. know? Which is huge, by the way. I mean, like, giant, 40,000 acres. Listen, we had a water feature in my apartment complex where I grew up in the Bronx that was gated off and covered in dirt because, you know, Homeless people, I guess, used to pee in it. <laughs> you know, like, these buildings, you know, those, those pre-war buildings were beautiful. Those courtyards and everything. And, like, you know, I, I can remember being a little kid thinking, like, I lived in, like, a castle. And, like, I've driven by it as an adult, and I'm just like, Ugh. But anyway. Okay. <clears throat> Anyways. So this lake is so, huge, and this boat yes. disappears. And, and the boat just, just disappeared. disappeared. Um, so... so our owners, Hackley and Hume, they didn't think it couldn't just disappear without a trace, right? So they think that the captain and the crew, there were seven people aboard, that they just kind of stole it and... Pirated. Yeah, pirated it. Um, because there there was no debris that was washing ashore. There was nothing floating. Like, they, there, was nothing, there was nothing. So they offered a $300 reward for anyone who could provide information on the whereabouts of the ship. Never happened. No one ever claimed the reward. No one knew what happened. Hmm. So for over two, over two, over a hundred years, the disappearance of the Thomas Hume was a huge mystery of the Great Lakes. No one knows where it was. There was nothing to indicate, like nobody, it was complete mystery, right? Okay. Mystery. Okay. Now let's, Skip forward a little bit. 1921. There's a ship. Another ship on Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan. Are we sensing a common thread here? Is it a vessel? She's a vessel. And her name is the Rosabelle. The Rosabelle. 1921. 11 people are on the ship. Days later, they found her overturned and floating in Lake Michigan. Where were the crew? All dead? Dead. Uh, But... Here's the deal. They they investigated it. There, it appeared that it had been in a collision. So based on the damage of the ship, it appeared that it had been a collision. But no other ship reported an accident, and there were no remains of any other ship to be found. I'm detecting a theme here. Yes. It's a mystery. So it was a mystery. Are you ready for another mystery? Sure. Okay. 1937, we're in April, eight, April 28th, in 1937, there is a, a ship, and the captain, the ship is captained by George R. Donner, not, no relation to the Donner party or any cannibalism. So, Ooh. The, so on the evening of April 28th, 1937, he safely guided the ship through the chilly Lake Michigan waters before retiring to his cabin for the night. Okay. He's tired. So 
three hours later, after he retired, the a crewman went to go wake him up to let him know they were approaching the port. He found that the cabin had been locked from the inside because, you know, I want to go to bed. Don't bother me. I might want to take a little care of myself, you know. Clear. Yes. Uh, but the captain was not inside. Where was he? There was no signs of him anywhere on the ship. There was no evidence of him leaving his cabin after going to bed. The door was locked from the inside. Disappeared. No trace. Vanished. Gone. So now, just a little note on geography. So Michigan is surrounded by two of the Great Lakes. You have Lake Michigan on one side. And you have, what is this one? That's Lake Michigan. And Lake Huron on the other. And Michigan stretches all the way up to the coast and touches and is a border state with Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, where all those illegals are coming in through. <laughs> damn illegals. Those damn Canadians. Um, blame Canada. Blame Canada. With all, with the, all the beady little, little eyes, the flapping heads of all eyes. Hey, we got a musical reference. Yay! <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, like, I've been to Chicago, and I've seen one of the Great Lakes. Just, just well, So I, I've seen Lake, Lake Michigan. Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's huge. And uh, what's, you know what's fascinating to me about the geography of Michigan is that, like, it's a little crown, like this, and then it's got a whole big little feather coming out of it. I know. It. It's, it's so Wisconsin. funny. I know, I know it's so funny. funny. So, like, so Lake Michigan is, I guess, the only lake that's completely within, of the Great Lakes, that's completely within the U.S. Yes. Yes. So, all right. So that's all our pollution. Yes. So, okay, now we're going to fast forward again to 1950. That's like yesterday. Yeah, right? I remember 1950 well. So do I. Okay, so there is an air flight. It is going from New, Lo- New York LaGuardia Airport to Seattle, Washington. That's so long. Well, they had they were to have a stop in, I believe, in Milwaukee, but I could be wrong. Okay, well, because, yeah, I mean, I fl- I, when I went to Alaska, I had to fly. I flew from from Newark. Oh, no, no, no. They were going to Minneapolis. Okay. So they were flying from New York to Minneapolis and then going on to Seattle. I had a layover there once. Somehow a storm pushed my plane there. and So, yeah. Oh, yeah, so I did. Yeah, I completely forgot. I spent a few minutes in Minnesota. Minnesota, I've been there. Hey, I didn't know I was there. I just remembered that. They, being in the airport doesn't count. Why? I don't know. I just decided it doesn't count. Okay, fine. Sorry, Minnesota. I wasn't there. (laughs) Okay, anyway, so this flight path would take the plane over Lake Michigan before stopping in Minneapolis. And uh, so as the plane enters the skies above Lake Michigan, uh, a pilot reported that they were encountering some electrical storm, and they requested permission to descend to 2,500 feet. You have to keep in mind, too, that Planes weren't flying as high. They only had radar. They didn't have... um, Half of the safety features they have. Yeah, they could only really... The only thing you could rely on was air traffic control to tell you where to go. I wonder how that Boeing 767 would do these days. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Okay, Okay, so... So so they they reported they were 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 encountering an electric storm. storm. Maybe they needed an update. What's that? Can you let me get to my story? Sorry, He's, I know. I'm okay. totally kidding. You're so just... this is why this is why my Jody Arias took so long, because Tommy had so many quits that he had to put in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was my fault. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was both our fault. We both have a part in it. Recognize your part. Owning it. Okay. 
So they asked for permission to descend to 2,500 feet. Okay. Okay. Soon after, the plane disappeared from the radar screens. Oh, and by the way, the air traffic controller did not give him permission to descend because it would have put him in a collision course with another airplane. So they stayed up in that electrical storm. Disappeared. So eventually, hold on, let me turn my page. Do it in the mic. (laughs) So, okay, 13 hours later, the U.S. Coast Guard found an oil slick, aircraft debris, and the airline logbook floating in Lake Michigan, many miles from shore. Yes. So this, in the, at this time, 58, I believe it was 58 passengers. Uh, let me go back. I've already said it, but I'm going to go back so I can be correct. Okay. Yes. 55 passengers. It said 58 on one article. Maybe, 50, little, maybe the crew. Yes. Including the crew. It was 58, but uh, 27 women, 22 men, and six children all died including all the crew. Everyone died. It was considered the biggest airline disaster, aviation disaster up until that point. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. So let's take a moment and consider what all of these stories have in common. Where did they occur, Tommy? All over Lake Michigan. Yes. It's crazy. I mean, it, it really does sound like, you know. Weird. Right? Okay. This is what is known as the Michigan Triangle. Have you heard of the Bermuda Triangle? I have. There, Lake Michigan has its very own triangle. So its southern point is in Bitten Harbor, Michigan. From there, one side extends north to Ludington, Michigan, and the other side crosses the lake to Mantiawak, Wisconsin. If I said Mantiawak, please email us at the status quo at gmail.com and let me know. Because I probably did. So. Manitowoc? I'm looking at the map. Manitowoc, Maniawak. It is an American Indian name. And I re- respect it and appreciate it, even though I can't say it So well. Manitowoc to, what was the other one? The- it's Manitowoc to Benton Harbor to Ludington, Michigan. Ludding Harbor. Okay, so it's straight across. And then. Yeah. It makes it, it makes an, it looks like about a right triangle, but. Yeah, I see. Okay, I get it. Or okay. it's oh, maybe yeah. I'm too far. So that's crazy. Yes. So this is it's less well known, but it's considered the uh, Bermuda Triangle of America. And wait, but the Bermuda Triangle goes from Miami to Cuba to Bermuda. Yeah. How many, I mean, there's been a lot of shipwrecks here. Yes, people have been reporting odd occurrences and shipwrecks for over 100 years. And I think I have the statistics saying, let me see. The, there have been over a thousand shipwrecks there since they've been recording. Wow. The history. That is crazy. It is crazy. Now, you want to hear something else crazy about this place? In 2007, they found a rock formation that's called the Stonehenge of America. Underneath the water is like 200 feet under the water. No, it's 50 feet below the surface. And they're they're set up kind of like Stonehenge. And one of the stones is carved to look like a mastodon, which is the elephant kind of looking animal, the Ice Age mammal that went extinct nearly 10,000 years ago. So, yes, Google image it. 
listener, pull your car over or stop cooking dinner and Google the Lake Michigan Stonehenge. That's crazy. It is crazy. So some people theorize that this could be the source of all the disturbances because it's some kind of supernatural rock formation. Also, over the last many, many years, people have reported seeing strange lights over Lake Michigan, where the Lake Michigan Triangle is, like UFOs. So let's rewind back to the fated Thomas Hume crash. The, they did not find the boat, although in 2006, they think they found it. Really? At the bottom of the lake. It was 200 feet deep. Um, but the ship that they found, the schooner that they found, only had two masts. Oh, so it's a different ship. That's what I say, except, listen but to this, the, though. But the third ship was added. So but the third mast was added. Listen, they're claiming that the mystery is solved. I'm not as convinced, but that's just because I'm like, okay, but they, because they didn't find any concrete evidence. They couldn't find the serial number, but the deck, the deck had been modified. So it could have been scraped off when the third mass could have broken off, but the entire ship was intact. Yeah. But like aliens sunk it, Tommy. That's what I was about to tell you. Oh, the aliens broke off the third mass and sunk the ship. Okay, so geeking out, one of my favorite authors that I've read a lot of books of, his name is Bob Mayer. Mm-hmm. I know him. And he wrote uh, Battle for Atlantis, Assault on Atlantis, and the Area 51 book series, and I've read all of them. And they're just... Um, and he, So he wrote the Area 51s as Robert Doherty. Um, and so these books, they mentioned the Michigan Triangle... So I didn't know of this because it was so like he has all these like so one in the um I think it's in the in the Atlantis so in the Atlantis series um there's the seven dimensions or whatever of reality or something like that like whatever the laws of physics you know the, the common theory was and so what happens is is that like there's these aliens that are opening up these portals in the Bermuda Triangle and the Michigan Triangle and all these other little spots and they're coming in to our planet and stealing our resources. And like, there's this really crazy scene in the book where one of the one of the um, first nuclear submarines that disappeared, that was lost at sea, when the American submarines was lost at sea, was sucked into one of these portals and lost. But then it reemerged like 60 years later, in like 2007 or something like that, whatever time that the the story takes place. And then, but the aliens re-engineered. They 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 did something to the boat because it's gone for 60 years, but it reappears like as if it was they had only been lost at sea for a day. This does not sound like science fiction, and this sounds like science reality. Right, totally. I, I, I've heard I've, I've heard an elected official use apply this theory. Um, so so get this. So so they find they, they rescue the submarine. I know I'm eating to your time. I'm sorry. So Jody Arias. Jody Arias. So they find the they find the submarine, and they're like, oh my god, this nuclear sub. We have to tell you know. So they take it to New London in Connecticut, and they rigged the submarine to be a giant massive killer crazy nuclear bomb and the bomb blows up and takes out the entire east coast of america from like new london the impact it destroys new york city 
goes into main, like that's how big the blast radius is from this nuclear bomb. What? Crazy, like, and like you don't think it, like you read in the book and you're like, oh my God, that's so cool. What? What? You know what I mean? Like That's crazy. It's, and the whole series is like that. Like it's just, it's, you know, and the lead character, I can't remember his name, but like it just, like I want this to be turned into like a sci-fi TV series or movie or something like that. So badly. Do it. Bob Mayers, I'm rooting for you. I love your stuff. Um, that's it. Call us. You can come on the show if you want. Um, if you're cute. So <laughs> they they think that they found it. Um, but I'm reading it and I'm kind of, I'm a skeptic. And so I'm like, maybe it wasn't. But so the Rosa Bell, right? Remember her? Yes. Well, she was crashed, right? Collision. No other ship. Aliens? I mean. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Captain George R. Donner vanished. Could he have maybe decided he didn't want to live anymore and jump out into the ocean and die? No, he was abducted. What about mermaids? Or mermaids. Maybe they built the Stonehenge. Uh, oh my God! Uh, it was mermaids. <laughs> the so, Ursula. It was Ursula. It was that sea bitch. I mean, sea witch. Disney so, Plus shout out product placement. <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Disney Plus. Now crashing. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've been. We've been tongue in cheek about all this, like. Uh, but so, these are we're talking about like people, like people's lives are lost. Right. Well, but we've been tongue in cheek about like about the aliens and the UFOs. So, I'm I'm going to quote a little bit from an article that I pulled up from Skeptoid because, as I said, I'm a skeptic. And the first thing I want to dispel is the Bermuda Triangle. So, if you really like, look up Skeptoid. Skep, skep, Toyed. They have really well-sourced and well-written articles, and they talk a lot about the Bermuda Triangle, but what's very interesting about it is that based on the traffic and the area and the weather patterns there, the crashes and the, quote, disappearances are not statistically anomalous. So, meaning that it's not statistically higher amount of crashes or disappearances than anywhere else. Because shipwrecks are very common. Right. And the weather conditions there are very interesting. I've watched a lot of documentaries about it. It's really interesting how they can ex- actually explain all like all of the, quote, weird things that happen. So by that same token, you have to think about this area. And we talked about it a little bit in your story. Like this, these, this area of the Midwest and the Northeast, like everything during these times, like at the end of the um, 1800s, early 1900s, during the beginning of the industrial revolution, there was so much growth and traffic. And you have to imagine that taking ships and later planes often occurred over Lake Michigan. And so statistically, of course, there are going to be a lot of accidents, especially when there are ships. And you have to think about it too, is that in over Lake Michigan, the weather, as we've discussed before, also the weather is so unpredictable and it is like navigating the ocean. It's so big. And so, and if you look at the map of the Michigan triangle, it's right in the middle of the, it's right in the middle of the lake. So you know, shit's going to happen. And so really statistically, it's not that anomalous. 
I, I think that the cool thing about the Stonehenge, the, the Stonehenge is really cool, and they've actually kept the location of it a secret because they don't want people to come and like and mess with it. Yeah, like in Arizona, because it's, it's only fifty, 50 feet, feet deep. deep. Got it. Yeah, that's, well, that's so that's shallow. So a big right. wave, you can definitely a ship can go aground. You know, a ship carrying a lot of weight. Storm weather, you know. Right. But I'm talking about, the, uh, well, I'm talking about where the Stonehenge is. Yeah. It's only 50 feet deep. But yeah, there, there are parts that are obviously of Lake Michigan that are much deeper. But again, like, you're right. Things happen. And the weather, especially in the spring, uh, the lake effects in the spring is so unpredictable. So if you notice the Rosabelle uh, was in the spring, the Thomas Hume was in the spring, and what else was in the spring? I believe the, the Titanic plane, was the in plane the crash. spring. Titanic was in the spring, but we're not time. And the plane crash was June 23rd, which is two days after summer starts. So it's still really unpredictable. So there are, are it, it, basically, it's a really cool thing to think about and imagine. And a lot of people can use these, like, this anecdotal evidence of these disappearances and these crashes and say there were UFOs and we saw weird blinking lights when you don't know, you don't know what it is, but it's the moon the clouds. Right. And I'm, like I said, I'm a skeptic. Write us at the status quo gmail.com to tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> Please. I want to hear how wrong I am. You yes. know what show I've been planning to watch? My What's cousin that? was telling me about it. My cousin who guessed the Wraith. Right up the truck. Yes. Shout out to my cousin Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Um, the Curse of Oak Island. I know. Well, it's reality TV, so you know you got to take for what is. But it was an old pirates bay, and they they know that it was an old pirates cove, and they're so with these. Also, you have to remember, you know, when we think of pirates, we think of the Caribbean, or we think of you know, Here. you know, Africa and stuff like that. Like you know, oh, active, the Caribbean. The he said Caribbean. I say Caribbean. Caribbean dream. Now we're sharing the same dream. <laughs> no, but so, you know, pirating is a very common, you know. Sure. It's, you know, it's a common form of organized crime. It's a crime. It's a, it, it is a staple of, of, we have the naval industry. You have, you have, you have naval things that are part of the world and you're going to have, you know, Wherever there is part of society, there's going to be a darker side of that society, you know. And so sure. I'm sure a lot of these ships were probably pirated and, and, and you know, sunk after being raided and stuff. And right. obviously storms, you know, it, it, it just the ocean, the water is a is a is a fickle beast. It's a scary place. Yes. So that's the moral of this story, Michigan. Um, and I think that went really well. Yes. It's been a while since we recorded, but I think we crushed it. We did crush it. And I mean, and also like, what a great, what, what another great travel destination. I know. Check out. Like, let's. Well, but we're there right now. We're, no, we're in the bunker right now, but we're looking at pictures, but we're going to go there. <laughs> and then we'll do our update from that. Tommy, time. play in a space with me. Hi. We're Hi. there. We have hypothermia. We're going to die now. Okay. So, you know, yeah, like check out. Go to the Great Lakes. Like I'm, you know. Oh my gosh. I I love being on the water. I, I, I love sailing. I mean, I don't I don't like sailing. I'm not gonna that. Like it's I like. I love sailing. Oh god, the, what's that thing called? thing you gotta turn to make the sail go up. Yes, the what's it called? I don't remember what it's called. 
the splinter, the, 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 the thingamajiggy. I'm the mechanism. I would be an expert at the little two person sailboats, the sunfish. Oh, the little sailboats. sunfish, yeah, the, the, yes. the, with the young cat ears. Yeah, uh, no, we didn't have those, but we, um, I'm an expert at those. I taught it for years. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I was Miss Sail. I was in charge of the sail program. I was for the two first years. mate once. You were? I was. My, my, so, one of my good friends, shout out to Ariel. Ariel! She teaches sailing in the Bahamas. Awesome. She's a, she's a licensed captain. She was a she was a racer from in New York for the sailboats and stuff, and so she would captain a ferry ship to um to Liberty Golf Course uh, in Jersey, like really high end. And so it was the holiday weekend, and all of the the crew the 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 employees had taken off, so or called out. So she called me last minute and said, "Do you do you want do you want to work today?" And I was like, "Sure, why not?" So I had to wear some like white shoes and for boat shoes. I, I never. I never even had a pair of Sperry's before that, and I love Sperry's. It's my favorite <laughs> shoes. I'm so preppy. With he really is. I am preppy with a switchblade. What? No. Um, hashtag Bronx. That's right. Real New York. But so, so I got to work as the first mate for her on the boat. That's which so cool. I literally just jumped off the boat, tied it up, yeah. you know, jumped back in, and I loved it. I loved yeah, it. I, I love being on the water. I'm, I'm a water sign, Ryan. <laughs> But I'm a well-managed Pisces. I'm not like a full-fledged crazy Pisces. We know some of those. We, oh, Lord. Um, but so, I you know, really I, I love being on the water. Like, if I had known, if I had known, I, I would have ran, I would have reversed Alexander Hamilton. I would have ran away to the Bahamas to work on a boat. Listen, that's my dream. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's chop down we a tree. We have to bring we'll my son with us. make a canoe. We have, we have to, to, like... like Bring my son with us. Okay. And I guess my husband can come too. Yeah, he's worth looking at. And Ryan. We'll yes. bring Ryan. Ryan, you're invited. Okay. I'll save some Cheez-Its for you or popcorn or whatever. Ooh, Cheez-Its. If you have a gluten allergy, then, you know, I'll, I'll work with that. I have a gluten allergy too, but that doesn't stop me. My sister has sev- my sister has really severe celiac. So when she visits, she introduces me to the best gluten-free food. So Ryan, I got your back. Yeah. I'm just assuming, I mean, you live in L.A., so I'm assuming you have some type of food allergy. <laughs> yes, and let me be clear, my sister actually is very severe celiac. We love our L.A. friends, whatever their food allergies may be. You know what's crazy is my sister lives in L.A. for five years. You said, yeah, she was saying that. Well, you know, like, I know I have a wheat allergy, and I know if I eat too much of it, my stomach is, so I, I did cut it out of my diet, mm-hmm. and... I'm I'm very happy not ingesting it. You know what, what I love, but sourdough bread, oh. if it's made right, you can. It doesn't bother you as much, and I love. And I know we're completely rambling, but to right. Okay, so, so more personal stories next time when we discuss the state. Pennsylvania. Oh, Tommy was looking at me like I was going to say it at the same time as him. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. one, two, three. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> and that tomorrow's episode is going to be dedicated to Terence O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> say it again, please. Terence O'Brien. <laughs> Terence is like one of my true oldest friends that like I rely on for. I rely on for his arrogance. Shout out to Terrence, who listened to New York and ripped it apart, but in all the ways that it needed to be ripped apart. Yes, and and because I know that I can go to him f- for whatever I need to talk about, and he's going to be honest, 
he'll be as funny and as brutal as I need it to, as I need to hear it. And I, it's never a worry. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, so Terrence, I mean, I've, I've known you Terrence now for 20 years. Shout out to you. Shout out to Winston. His puppy. Oh, my oh, God. Winston, his puppy. puppy. And shout out to you. my sister Bentley, who is hanging out with the little Tommy. That's right. My son. And we love you. And we thank love you, you for allowing us to record. And have a great week, guys. See you in Pennsylvania. And that's the status quo. We'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the folks that made it possible for us to tell you these fascinating stories. So today's episode, I brought you an article which was written by Annalise Frank from the Cranes Detroit business. I obviously referenced a little bit of IMDb for the movies and, you know, information on the movie. And those are my sources. I kept it simple. He did keep it simple. Um, mine's going to be a little bit longer. I got my sources from uh, the historydaily.org, Great Lakes version of the Bermuda Triangle by Karen Harris, the historycollection.co, uh, The Deadly Mystery of Lake Michigan Triangle Raises More Questions Than Answers by Josh. Literally, no last name, by Josh. Hi, Josh. Well, wait, it's a conspiracy site, right? Yes. Is it really, Josh? The top. Okay, www.topsecretwriters.com, The Legends and Disappearances at the Michigan Triangle by Sally Painter, 10 Things You Didn't Know About Michigan Triangle by Payush Jain, The uh, Lost to the Lake, The Disappearance of, Tom- of the Thomas Hume by Sharon Pisacreta, uh, Northwest Airlines Flight 2501 uh, at michiganshipwrecks.org, no author listed, and the Skeptoid article called The Lake Michigan Met- The Lake Michigan Triangle by Jeff Wag. And that's it. It's a lot of sources. And I wanted to make sure, because it's an old case, old stuff, and there's a lot of non-factual facts. I just want to make sure I got all the facts. So thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Seriously, we're on iTunes now. We need reviews. We need rates. We need subscribes because we need listeners. We have to justify and viewers and viewers. Please view the artwork while you're driving as you're listening. Exactly. No, don't. (laughs) Don't do that. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.